Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Why so simple? I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome, everybody, to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and I got Josh today with me. We're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy as kind of not necessarily a specific character study, but a study on a group of people that have their own trilogy, so it's kind of a character study, but it's not because it's not one person. I don't know. We're going for it. We're excited for the movie releasing this weekend. Josh, how do you feel about the Guardians movies? And we'll get into it a little bit later, but give me a one-sentence summary of what you think... Guardians 3 will do what it'll be like. Okay, one sentence. It's going to be really difficult. Best music with the coolest vibes. <laughs> I love I love the vibes that I get from the Guardians of the Galaxy just because each of them have such different personalities and it's just so much fun. And with Star-Lord as kind of their leader, it's just funny throughout the whole movie regardless of what the situation is. Yep. Even scenes like I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Dude, that's really, really funny, but also really sad two minutes later. So, exactly, yeah. On that just note, roller coaster. On that note, I want to ask you kind of our first, like, what do we think about this? How do you think Guardians is able to blend comedy and emotion so well without it feeling cheesy either way? I think if you can make the comedy part of the character's personality, it blends much, much easier. And that's actually something I have notes about. I'm glad that you asked that question. That's perfect. (laughs) I think creating comedy as part of someone's character is the best way that you can put humor into any sort of situation. And even if the humor is coming from someone else, it fits with the setting just because this character, they whether their coping mechanism is humor or whether their just persona is being funny, it fits even if it's a sad scenario Mm. and i think that's kind of what the the goal for maybe not specifically a goal but that's one of the aspects of guardians of the galaxy that makes them so just so much fun because it's always funny even in the sad times Mm -hmm. compare it to thor ragnarok where i think that was ragnarok was okay but with tt making this very big supposed to be emotional movie where i think he did okay with odin's death but that didn't last very long. With Asgard being destroyed and most of the Asgardians dying, they immediately, like, it didn't really matter. It didn't really set in, and that didn't stick well for that movie. And then it was just exemplified in Thor Love and Thunder. It's just as though we should be treating any sort of loss or grief with comedy and trying to make it seem like it doesn't mean anything is, I don't think, is the right way to approach anything. I think what you said about, like, it not really fitting in with the movie, I, I think Odin's death was done really well. Like you said, maybe not really well. I think it was done good, but that just inconsistency with the character of Thor and those who surround him, it didn't make a ton of sense for Thor Ragnarok to be as funny as it was because in the first two movies, Thor's kind of a dark and brooding character. Yes, there's a few moments of relief one line or something, but with Guardians of the Galaxy, we start off with all of the characters being in some way funny in their own way. Whereas in Thor, they all start as just a fairly serious character. Yes, there's a few funny moments, but it's not 
part of them. And I think mm-hmm. that's where Thor Ragnarok started to fall off just a little bit because, yes, it was a funny movie, but it was funny for the sake of being funny and not for the sake of how it's part of their character. Does that I make sense? That, yeah, I think that is what sums it up. I think about Rocket's one-liners and then him explaining like the little bit of backstory that he gets to Quill. And he's there's obviously something that we're going to learn in Guardians 3, and he's probably the most emotional character even though he doesn't show it quill Mm -hmm. lost his mother he got kidnapped by aliens and yet he's very funny drax is funny because he doesn't realize it that's that's written into his character that's who he is he's awkwardly funny and gamora is not usually funny but that's maybe what she brings to the table so yeah the way that these characters can experience loss and yet still have fun moments is not like to counteract it but it's it's a good balance i guess and like you said, it's it's built into their character where it isn't out of place. And I don't want to talk about Thor too too long. We'll get to his episode soon enough. But yes, Thor 1 and 2 are very different than Thor 3 and 4. And they just pivot with the characters, whereas James Gunn is consistent with writing all five of these characters and beyond the other characters, the supporting characters from the, from the movie. And James Gunn manages to make us feel for each character in their own unique way without just telling us why we should be feeling bad for them. A lot of movies recently have kind of made it obvious as to why you should feel bad for this character. I think kind of along the lines of Harry Potter, though I think Harry Potter did it well, with the Dursleys at the beginning who are mean to him. And because they're mean to him, that means you should side with him because they're being unjust. That was done well. I'm not using that as an example. But in that that same vein of making it obvious that you should feel bad for them. Whereas Gunn kind of puts in sometimes these monologues, like with Quill talking to Gamora or Rocket giving a little bit of his backstory of being a manufactured and basically turned into a cyborg without his permission as a, as yeah. a baby. That makes you feel for them and makes you really care instead of being told to care. Mm-hmm. The emotions are developed rather than stuffed into you <laughs> through your eyeballs, through your ears, with the the movie as a medium and some characters that you start to feel for right away would be someone like drax or star lord which you get a little bit of feel for rocket a little bit in the first movie or for the first movie but i don't really see a whole lot of emotion coming out of his character till later same with star lord since he's kind of the the main one of the guardians but one that you don't really see a whole lot of attention of is gamora until we start getting into the infinity stones area where thanos starts to come into play a lot which i think is a really cool touch because everybody's character is also starting off in developing or maybe not developing but at least showing where the emotion in their character is at different points in the saga and i think that is a really cool way of doing it because you can focus a little bit more on this character which for most of it it's star lord but then we get a little bit of focus on gamora once we get to infinity war and endgame and we get a little bit of focus on drax in the first movie and it's just it's never all you're trying to focus on so many characters at once and i think that's so crucial for such a big team you want to be able to fully digest each character and actually get the emotions of what's going on in their head but you don't want it all at the same time and i think that was a very smart move and placing different character points in different movies. So how do you think this team, where you don't know any of the characters beforehand, and you have to develop them and like introduce them individually in one movie, how do you think that differed from Eternals, and how that suffered from congestion and too many main, too many main characters, basically? Yeah, so 
very, very interesting point about how Eternals just didn't do that good because you didn't have the same amount of time that you had with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, you got introduced to each of them, but Eternals, you were basically just bombarded with a 15-minute, like, intro on who these characters are, but the emotion was just trying to be made halfway through the movie with all of them. And there's only so much screen time that you can give to each character for a one and a half, two hour movie to where it feels like you really got a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy, they have how many movies? They've got, they're in one, two. They appear in six movies so far. Yeah, six movies. So the Guardians of the Galaxy got six movies of attention, which it could be kind of unfair to hold the same level of character storytelling with six movies under the belt for all of the guardians but eternals if they really wanted to implement them into this sort of cinematic universe they needed to expect to not have all of these characters be developed at the same rate and starting at the same time and that's i think where the eternals started to fall off because you had no feelings for any of the characters oh this person died oh why do i care again i would argue that it doesn't matter that the Guardians have had six movies. They have, by the end of their first movie, you cared a lot about them. You cared about Groot's death. You cared about Rocket's backstory. You cared about Quill's development with his mother, even by the end of that movie. It is unfair to compare six movies to one movie, but compare the ending of the first movie to the ending of the Eternals' first movie. Hopefully, well, I don't know if I hope for a second movie, but I, you just don't feel anything about the Eternals. You don't feel the loss of the couple who died. I couldn't name a single one to you right now. I'll be honest. Me neither. And that might, that might be a thing that comes with time, but I also don't plan on watching that one again. <laughs> I, would, I yeah. could watch Guardians a lot, and that's the rewatchability that I've talked about before is will you watch this again and still enjoy it. I do think you bring up a very good point with us having a lot of care for the Guardians of the Galaxy by the end of the movie versus the Eternals. I do think that just the lovability of all of the characters does play a lot into that. I do remember watching the Eternals and all of the characters whom I couldn't name didn't have much depth or they didn't have much about them that was very noteworthy. Mm. Not only could I not tell you their name, I couldn't tell you what kind of personality any of them had. I, I couldn't even tell you what they were like or try to compare them to something. Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy, with all of the comedy that's thrown into it, with all of the one-liners that you will remember... Like, for for example, Drax, the invisible scene, which I know it's not in the first movie, but that's so memorable. That's so funny. You're going to remember that this is what this character is like because of those really clever one lines or two lines that they get that just speak so much about their personality. You don't get any of that in the Eternals or I'd honestly argue many of the characters in the MCU. The Guardians mm. of the Galaxy have so many good lines or so many good jokes that just tie into their character and since it's part of their personality it just it works so well i think also visually they are different if somebody has only seen the poster for guardians of the galaxy and you're trying to explain which character you're talking about you say the human the green one the bald gray one the tree or the raccoon like they're very different with eternals they're all the same type of person that's fair unless you use physical characteristics they're still all human so it's not impossible to do with the eternals but the guardians are very physically different and can you can tell who's who very quickly and explain you know this is what this person is blah 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 colleges would kill for the kind of diversity that guardians of the galaxy has (laughs) hot take (laughs) yeah hot take and even some of the 
most simple characters like Vin Diesel who got paid so much per word with Groot. Groot has three words to four four words mm. I will say. I am Groot and then we we are Groot to his character yet there's so much there and it's really well done because obviously Raccoon is kind of explaining what Groot said in his sentence after he says it and that kind of banter is just so funny to me and just kind of understanding of each character is it gives you another another aspect of the depth between Groot and Rocket like their relationship is so tight that Groot only says three words yet Raccoon completely understands everything he's trying to say Mm -hmm. and that adds another just a part of why Guardians of the Galaxy is also just so close I like that about Groot it's kind of he's kind of an R2-D2 of the of the Guardians where we can't tell what he's saying but there's one person who does or Chewbacca where you have the one character who's translating but not translating like word for word he's translating in conversation and therefore we can understand through context clues what he's saying and Vin Diesel is, did an amazing job. It's not just saying three words. We got to give him more credit yeah. than that. He gives a tone to each sentence. He, he was given a script for what Groot is actually saying, and so he can read it in read that the way. Script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he has also done the voices in different languages for Groot because I don't think anyone else could have done it. So he learned how to say I am Groot in bo- many other languages. I couldn't tell you how many others, but that was that was noteworthy of him to keep up like i don't i don't want to say it was a pride thing saying like if he said i'm the only one who can do it i'm pretty sure it was the the studio saying we need you to do this and it's not that hard so why not and one of the words is even just probably translated to groot like i don't think groot has another meaning in a different language so he still only had to learn just two words three words in a different language so yeah i think that's cool do you think bringing groot back from the dead makes his death in Guardians 1 insignificant. Because I'm going to do an episode sometime soon on the insignificance of death in film these days. And I realize that Guardians 2, or even the post credit scene of Guardians 1, brings him back from the dead and makes that whole We Are Groot scene seem insignificant. But yet it doesn't at the same time. Why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. I, I think, quite honestly, it's because of how punished he was physically because of it. He He did come back, yes, but... He had to basically start the life over again. And another question that I have to ask about his character is, did he really like start over anew and he doesn't have any of the memories he had because he did go through a teenage phase again. So we know that he's going through the moody stages again. And if he had the memories, I would imagine that he would also not go through that phase. But is it the same Groot is my question. Mm. And I feel like that having a different Groot, in fact, we even see in the new one coming out, he does not look like he did. He doesn't. And th- I think making him turn into Baby Groot, which, by the way, was the second most adorable thing <laughs> in all cinematic universe, <laughs> next to Baby Yoda, I will say, I think what gives a lot of credit to Groot's sacrifice is how different his character becomes. And it's not the same Groot we knew. He goes through the stages of life again, and he's he look not only does he look different, but I can't help but feel like his personality is also very different in the next few movies like baby Groot obviously it's just going to be adorable baby Groot but then the teenage Groot that we also see doesn't feel like the same one so the sacrifice that he made in the first movie still feels viable Mm -hmm. I think it's totally acceptable one because it's plausible it's it makes sense that Rocket takes a little branch and replants it 
and it grows into a living tree again. We're not quite sure if he has all the memories because what he could have done is had, you know, just been a baby, no memories, and he knows that Rocket is his dad because Rocket raised him, and then his family is the Guardians. We just kind of jump from the post credit scene when he's in the pot, still growing and dancing, to Guardians 2 when he's dancing, running around the fight area, whatever. So yeah, he's growing up with the Guardians in after the first movie. So... When it comes to, like, rules of the universe, yeah, it, it makes sense that he can be replanted. And yes, to your point, that it's not probably the same Groot. It's a little bit different. It's, I don't know his race if they're all Groots or if Groot is his name and they just... I don't know. But another thing is that it takes time. You don't just bring Groot back as a full tree person and he has all his memories as if nothing happened and then his death would be insignificant. But it takes time to grow him from baby plant Groot to baby Groot in Guardians 2 to teenage Groot in Infinity War and Endgame and then like buff teenage Groot in the Christmas special and then I think we're getting alpha Groot apparently in Guardians 3. So that is just kind of character development literally he's developing and growing and it doesn't make his very sad sacrifice in guardians one to save all of his friends insignificant at all unlike bringing back somebody like the emperor who doesn't make sense doesn't make sense and it makes vader's sacrifice where he lifts the emperor up and throws him down the ventilation shaft it makes that insignificant yeah i can't watch episode six of star wars anymore and think oh well it doesn't matter because he just cloned himself and and the sad vader death scene is now meaningless Mm -hmm. Uh, i can still watch guardians one and watch this scene probably cry a little and then be like oh but we get baby groot later it it, they are separate somehow it's very weird but i think it's done right and then there, this is getting into the topic of it, of the why some deaths just don't make sense if you bring the character back. But another example in the Star Wars universe is Darth Maul. Like Darth mm. Maul's character is just so cool. Him coming back is okay in the Clone Wars just because he's more of a side character, not a main character like the Emperor. Mm. You know, we'll save that for the insignificant death episode. But this is one of the good Marvel movies from the original phases. Most of them were the original three phases that set up future installments without feeling like it was shoehorned into the narrative. Almost every phase four production, I could tell you, was shoehorned in to try and fit some story that I don't know what they're trying to go for. We'll talk about that when we cover the future of the MCU actually in next week's episode, which will be a lot of fun. But the way they introduced the Power Stone as an actual plot device in this movie, at least the first one, actually made sense. And it played a role in the climax of the movie, and then it was sent off to a secure location, and then in Infinity War it said that he just goes there, demolishes the place, and takes the stone. Like, that tracks, that follows. It's natural, and it doesn't feel forced. And that is why we like the first three phases of marvel is because it actually felt like a progression of a story instead of to get to point a to point b to point f to point z and then back to point d it just that's what marvel feels like right now is just knowing where that what what moments they want what things they need to include before they get to kang dynasty in a couple years guardians did it well and the first three phases everything was just so intertwined that it just fits together really well but in the new phases we start to just Oh, by the way, this was happening. This was happening. Whereas in Guardians of the Galaxy, we've seen a consistency of stuff being built. Stuff makes sense. And all of the the plot points are fitting into the story well, even in this new phase. I guess we'll have to see what happens with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Which, I know we've said this for a few of the new movies coming out. I do have high hopes for this one. 
because I love Guardians of the Galaxy, but I've got reserved hopes because of what some of the latest ones have been like. Why don't we talk about that now? What are you expecting from Guardians Volume 3, from what you've seen from the trailer and from what we've seen from Phase 4 and 5 so far? You know, I honestly have no idea. And I, I want to say it's going to be like another lighthearted fun movie <laughs> with some sort of cool progression of a simple story within a bigger picture like we saw in the other ones but quite honestly i am scared they are going to be just putting way too much into their plans in the future in this movie because of how the guardians of the galaxy since they've been in the mcu for six movies now adding the seventh one they have a bit of the old phases that everyone liked so much so i'm scared they're gonna try and put so much of the new phases ideas into the guardians of the galaxy story when it doesn't make sense because they're trying to push this new narrative Mm -hmm. and that's that's something i'm not excited about and i'm nervous of but it's hard to say until we've really seen the movie i'm pretty sure that james gunn has said that guardians 3 is the finale of the trilogy and not necessarily a progression of the marvel storyline and i appreciate that i understand that Wakanda forever tried to do that, not necessarily the end of a trilogy, but continuing on the Black Panther story as much as they could without Chadwick Boseman. But I think because Gunn is at the helm and he has done some pretty incredible things, I think that he's got this in the bag. Ugh! I said this about Ant-Man, I said this about Black Panther, and then I was sorely disappointed. I am excited for Guardians. I've said, oh man, I've said that it's my last straw with Marvel, if they get it wrong. I But I said that about Ant-Man, and I said that about... Black Panther, and I didn't like either of those. I think... Can I can me, I say that this is my real last straw? Like, the reason I th- really want it to be good is because of the trailers. I know that that one shot, the one shot of Peter Quill screaming, and, like, all the emotion that Chris Pratt put into that one shot makes me feel like this is going to be good. Gunn has said that this will be really Rocket Story. He thinks he, he kind of mocked the fans for saying, "You guys think this is about Star Lord? This you is see about some of the Do you see some of the poster pictures? Poster pictures. There's one where it is just like the picture I had showed you just before, where all of the guardians are like walking, kind of in a line. Mm-hmm. This poster, it's from a lower angle, so I everybody. See it. I see it. Yeah, everyone else's heads or like waist up is cut off, but the only one you fully see is Rocket. Yeah, mm, I'm excited about that. Yes. There has been so much mystery surrounding Rocket, and I can't wait to see more of it. I am willing to be proved wrong. I will be going to see Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters. I will be excited, and I will report back to see what I think. I still know that Marvel is going down the tubes. We'll talk about that next week. But it this could be a last-ditch effort. It's been in production for a while now, probably before all the criticisms came out against Phase 4 and all that. But I'm expecting a lot. I expected a lot from Ant-Man, so that's not saying much, but we'll see. I, I am also going to say that this is my last straw as well with Marvel. I already said that I've kind of fallen <laughs> off the bandwagon with the end of Endgame, and that's kind of where a good ending was for me. But I have still been watching them, and I think if I am disappointed with Guardians of the Galaxy, one of my favorite movies in the MCU, the very first one, and the second one also way up there, If this one also doesn't live up to that, they will have ruined probably my favorite series in the whole MCU universe. I'm done watching their movies from then, and I probably won't be watching anything going forward, even when it gets to the 
King Dynasty. Like, wow. I, I won't watch that if this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is not good. That's tough for those of us who were diehard Marvel fans in Phase 3. Yeah. Like, that's when, I, that's when I really got into it. Uh, you might be one of these people. I don't fully understand, but there's some people that I'm close with who have expressed that they are excited for Awesome Mix Volume 3. It's so weird that it's songs that are not original songs to just be put into a, a mixtape and then released and make millions off of it. What What is it about the, the, the awesome mixes that are so cool, even though it's songs we already know? I think what makes the music so lovable then is just because of how... I have no idea how to put this. I don't... You know what? I'm going to be honest. I have no idea why it works. Let's just let's just put that in. I have no idea why it works so well for it just to be re-releasing new music. Or not new music. Old music. Just put into a movie that's new that just fits so well. I mean, part of it is the story. Is that Quill would only have mixes from 60s and 70s. Yeah. That kind of... That makes sense. And I think with the oversaturation of using new songs or popular songs or 2000 songs in trailers and movies is getting overwhelming. And the weird thing about our generation, Gen Z, is that we long for nostalgia that we never had. Uh For some reason, we want to go back to the 60s and 70s and try those trends and like their music and all that. It's really weird and it's a cool social study. Maybe not the hair part. Maybe not the hair. But it's a, it's a nostalgia that we never had, and maybe reliving that through a movie that can present that and use those songs in a good way. And most of the time, we don't even realize how much the songs mean to the story, to like the, mm-hmm. the words. Act, they pick them for a reason. They don't just say, oh, this is a cool one, and this is a cool one. No, they, they, they have meaning, and mm-hmm. I think Guardians does it well. And I don't know why it works and why they can resell songs from 50 years ago. I think just having that kind of music or that kind of, I don't, I use this word a lot, having that kind of vibe in the movies also makes it attractive for older generations to watch it Mm. and still enjoy it. And it also just helps people within the community just to connect a little bit more. I love music. I listen to music so much on Spotify. I had 114,000 minutes last year. And music is just such a good way to bring people together. And if you can make that across generations where you can have some of the newer generations Mm. relate to this new movie versus the older generations relate to the movie through the music, I think that's really cool because I know for certain that when I play Hooked on a Feeling at the gym, everyone will be singing along to it. New, old, middle-aged, whatever age you are, you will be enjoying it. And I think that's really cool for what the movie did with the soundtrack. So funny enough, the Guardians have been in just as many movies of other people's stories than they have of their own. They've been in Infinity War, Endgame, Thor, Love and Thunder, as well as Guardians 1, 2, and the Guardians Christmas Special. That's fine. That's the Marvel way, is just to include people in other people's movies. So my only complaint was Thor, Love and Thunder, where they really were kind of banking on this was going to be that, not team up, but that adventure time that we kind of were promised at the end of Endgame of Thor going around with the Guardians and was only five minutes at the beginning and then they were gone. Hmm. One of my many disappointments with Thor Love and Thunders. And the, their lines were very Taika Watiti-ized. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think Watiti-ized should be an uh, actual word, but I'm hereby declaring it a word. They're just very shallow and not meaningful. And even it was supposed to be an emotional scene where Peter is like, you just look people in the eye and you know they're your family. And it's interrupted. One, I think it was poorly written, but it was interrupted with Thor doing his weird slide into frame, which is supposed to be funny. It was funny maybe the first time I watched the trailer, but then after that it was 
boring. So yeah, underutilized in Thor Love and Thunder. Infinity War and Endgame? Well, not so much Endgame. The only one who was in Endgame and survived the blip was Rocket. But I believe I've talked to you about this before. Quill in Infinity War. Give me a rant. There's so much there. There's so much there. I love the feeling he gives you to where you're just like, you want to reach into the screen and just tell him to quit it. You know, that, that that's unmatched. I guess I shouldn't say I love the feeling. I hate that feeling of just wanting to switch <laughs> stuff around, but it's still making sense that it's happening this way. Imagine you're looking at someone who killed your girlfriend slash wife slash whatever you want to call him, extra terrestrial lover. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you're looking at them and you just can't believe that you would do that especially given that that is their daughter and just a, the hatred that would come from that and you're like i'd like to think that i would be controlling myself and not lashing out on him while we're just about to win but that kind of emotion is just so strong to where honestly if i was in that situation i would probably be punching thanos as well and i hate that that's probably true you know and just the raw anger that's coming from the theater during that scene is immeasurable. And I think that is why it is so well done because it's getting the theater to feel. It's getting everybody to have strong emotions about what's happening on the screen, even if they're bad emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of movies do is they try to kill off a character or they try to do something so that there's a lot of emotion there. And sometimes that's not the way to do it. You add depth to it so that there is emotion after the death. Because if someone just dies, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like we'll talk about with sacrifices. Sometimes sacrifices don't mean anything if you just bring a character back. Or if you can have some death or some life-changing event happen and it have such an effect on the other characters, that emotion will be felt from behind the screen or watching as well like peter finding out that thanos killed gamora for one of the stones and just the emotion that comes from that can be felt on the other side but also the emotion of the other people that peter is with trying to just get this gauntlet off of him sort of like frustration with him about that you can just feel what everyone on the screen is feeling and that is so cool mm -hmm. the the no don't do it feeling of just Yelling at him, no, no, no. Like watching a football game. Screaming at the scre screen <laughs> isn't going to help, but you can try. Yeah. It might. Yeah. I understand everyone's frustration with Quill. I also think it's completely warranted. And yet he did overreact. But it got you into the moment of you realizing that he is the, the he's the one who's not thinking straight. In that moment, yeah, he's the, the antagonist who is going to mess the whole plan up. And the, the feeling of winning is... That you almost had in that moment trying to get the glove off thanos and then running away and winning you know you you think that that's the epitome of it and yet it didn't feel right because you weren't close to the end of the movie and mm -hmm. quill is all haughty and he's like oh look at you now it was that was a painful scene too is is well well done by the russos yeah you you know that this plan it might work but since the length given the length of the movie and where you are in the movie you know that there's no way that this is just the end and you see them almost succeed and they they give you hope that you're going to get this gauntlet off mm -hmm. and then peter steps in and i will also add that it is not out of his character to lash out like that we see peter act in a lot of situations just very emotionally and he's given his leadership role he's not much of a critical thinker when it comes to some of those situations he's just going to act out on what he wants to do mm -hmm. and given his life of theory given his life of just 
growing up on a ship with a bunch of aliens, he's not the brightest. Just put it that way. He's really not that bright. So it's not out of his character for him to step in and mess up the plan mm-hmm. for his own benefit. Because he wants, what he wants right there is revenge for the death of Gamora. He wants to beat up Thanos. And he's going to get it if he has the opportunity because that's who he is. Yeah. And giving that kind of tension to the scene while still keeping every character true to themselves is so well made. Mm-hmm. Plus you're giving so much emotion in the scene with frustration, anger, sadness, all of it. It's awesome. I think of when he was confronting his father and it was Quill versus Ego and he kind of breaks out of his trance and just immediately lights him up with his blasters. That was a moment yeah. where he was emotionally driven to just act on it and it it mm-hmm. fits with his character like just emotionally driven yeah. not really thinking all all the time and it it's not out of character that's basically it yeah the love for his mom was just already so much greater than the love for his dad because of just him still having grown up with his mom that last the last moments he had with his mom were just so crucial to his story and hearing that his dad is the reason that she died huge and mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be a lot of emotion coming behind that and in there his priority is going to be who he loves more and he's not going to want to hear the other side out Mm -hmm. and i think that's also just a very cool scene and honestly one of my favorite scenes in the entire guardians of the galaxy like part in the mcu Mm -hmm. you said you didn't see the christmas special i didn't see the christmas special you're not missing much it doesn't add much story but i think it was really fun and entertaining it leans into the comedy of the guardians that they possess as characters but it's still has meaning to it when it wants to. It's just fun, fun watch. It has some fun original music too that I added to some of my Christmas playlists. So it's a little out of season right now, but maybe, maybe this December, give it a watch. From what I gathered of what the Christmas special is about, it was another way to just be putting more content of the Guardians of the Galaxy out in a way that doesn't really add a lot to this whole big story but Mm -hmm. fans can still get a little bit of content from some of the characters that they love and i think that there's nothing wrong with that as long as that kind of content being put out is reserved and you can't just keep on putting snippets out of characters and have none of it have meaning and it's one of those that if you miss it you miss it you're not going to go into guardians 3 and be like what happened between thor love and thunder and now it's one that'll is a is a just one that you can miss if you so choose but it's good. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. The last thing I want to talk about is something that I saw in a video essay about the theme of the Guardians, like what their theme is, where Captain America is kind of the always righteous, do what's good. He's that character. Iron Man is the redemptive, learn from your mistakes, all that. The Guardians mm-hmm. theme is sharing pain. And this is especially... <laughs> that hit you hard. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> Bars. It's especially evident in the climax of the first movie where Quill is holding onto the Power Stone and the others come alongside him and share that pain. Literally, it's kind of dispersed and more manageable. But more so, when we talked about how Gunn makes us feel for these characters in their own unique way, they as a team help each other with those problems and that pain. (laughs) What's that face? This whole analogy is honestly just kind of... I had never thought of the Guardians of the Galaxy's like kind of theme that way. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think of the Guardian of the Galaxy's theme that much at all. I mm. go to them for the comedy, but that's such a good theme mm. of 
sharing each other's struggles. Yeah. And that's so applicable to us, especially as Christians. We're called to go to a community. We're called to fellowship with each other, to hold each other accountable, to uh, give each other counsel, just to help each other out. And that's just so cool that we can relate it to that. Mm-hmm. It's letting people come alongside you and help bear your burdens, like Paul says in Galatians. And also being that friend to come alongside the hurting one and, you know, help them feel better, do something for them to take their mind off of something, mm-hmm. whatever. Be that friend who can who can help others through some tough stuff. Even if it's just saying, I am Groot. <laughs> it can work. The next time you're sad, Seth, I'm just going to say I am Groot, and I really hope that you'll understand what I'm saying because it's just going to be really awkward if you don't. Deal. Deal. Wrapping it up. Thank you, Josh, for talking about this. It's We've, we've gotten to some areas that, you know, I, I didn't think that the Guardians would lead us to, but I really like the, the movies they're in. Great addition, even though mm-hmm. change it up for a little bit from the comics, which I don't care. I didn't read the comics, so there, there's some great characters and some family themes and some great comedy from those movies Mm -hmm. and and it's always just so much fun to talk about just lovable characters lovable story and just lovable all around man Mm -hmm. and cash grabs like group yeah (laughs) (laughs) well thank you guys so much for listening to us ramble on follow us on all our social media platforms instagram tiktok facebook youtube we got video episodes over on youtube you're not missing much they're the same thing just with our faces expect probably some amendments to our predictions for guardians 3 in a future episode because i'm sure that we will talk about it sometime soon but with that said, hope you guys have a great day. We love you. God bless. Bye. Or no, I need to say uh, peace out, brethren. That's sure. that's my goodbye. Peace out, brethren.